Welcome to Con Expo Con Ag Radio, where we bring you boots on the ground perspectives from construction business owners and industry experts about their successes, challenges, and whatever else is on their minds. Consider them your own personal mentors on technology implementation, equipment solutions, business management, and more, enabling you to apply their expertise to your business. Held every three years in Las Vegas, Con Expo Con Ag is North America's largest construction trade show. For even more ways to connect with the industry, visit conexpoconag.com forward slash connect. That's conexpoconag.com forward slash connect. We've got another great guest on the show today, so let's dig in. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Con Expo Con Ag Radio. I'm your host, Missy Sherber. While Priestley Demolition is in the business of tearing things down, the crew's first job on site is hunting for treasure. Salvage and sustainability has always been a cornerstone of the business for Vic Priestley, the company's founder. Today, the King City, Ontario-based company has grown into one of the largest demolition contractors in Canada under the leadership of Vic's son, Ryan Priestley. The company has a staff of about 300 people and a fleet that includes around 100 excavators. Notably, the company is the focus of History Channel Canada's original series, Salvage Kings, and they're bringing the spectator sport of demolition to the masses on national television. All right, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're quite a busy man, but we appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those listeners who may not have heard of you, which should be very few out there, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself first and then your family's history in the demolition business? Well, I'm a father of two and we have a demolition excavation company in just north of Toronto, Canada. We employ two, three hundred people in the peak times and you know, during this COVID time, we're down a little bit for sure, but we do demolition of just about anything and everything. So from a 10-story building to a old steel mill to a, a bridge over the highway or a residential house. So we, we do it in all sectors. We do all of our own asbestos abatement, all of our own soil remediation. And awesome. with all this time under our belt here in this particular industry we you know don't say no to just about anything unless we can't add any value to the to the project absolutely and how did you get into the industry do i understand correctly is this a second generation company did you grow up around it yeah when i was younger i always wanted to go to work with my dad and so when i came to work with them there's always labor work to do on our demolition sites at that time we had more work not demolition we did sewer and water, excavation, landscaping, built some roads, stuff like that. And always on the demolition crew is always an interior demolition going on somewhere. So it was basically just go there and use the wheelbarrow all day. And, <laughs> and I loved it. I don't know why, but I fell in love with it. <clears throat> do, the, do the grunt work, right? Have the sun yeah. out there doing all this. <laughs> you don't have to hurt yourself. Come home. You know, you- so it was, uh, it was great. I loved it. I, I think that's such a unique experience because I, I have heard of kids that grow up around the industry and they tend to actually run from it initially, right? And then they, they end up coming back. What, what kind of created that, you know, love for you and that long, you know, just that steadfast, you know, involvement in the business? I, I, I can't probably really put words to it. I just, I honestly just fell in love. Yeah. With people, the equipment, the challenge, yeah. the travel, the you know, 
I've got to see the world from this. Now I'm yeah. talking to Mrs. Sherber in the USA. <laughs> like, I mean, it just seems to never end, right? So right. All, all because I, I had a real fascination for heavy equipment, I think. And That's awesome. It just became, you know, tearing down these buildings and the challenge of that and how are you going to do it and what's the best way to do it and how are we going to figure this out? And it just, it's been, it's been fun. Awesome. Tell me a little more about your role, like your transition. So, you know, you've got, you went from laborer and at at what kind of age did you kind of start to, to grow within the company? I know that family dynamic is always interesting. So I love to hear the progression of, of how you grew your role within the company. Well, it just literally, I mean, after high school, I took a college program. It was construction engineering course. It was a three-year program and I had three co-op placements. So I did all three co-op placements at other companies. I did a a road building company, I did a general contracting company, and I did another demolition company. All three were great experiences. And I still talk to people from all three of those co-ops on a regular basis. Um, You know, great relationships. Sometimes I learn what to do, sometimes I learn what not to do, but uh, (laughs) you know, that's all part of learning and after I got done college, when I came home, you know, my dad's like, okay, I'm going to put you right in the office, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't, I don't want to go right in the office. Like that has like, I don't mind to go in the office like on a rainy day or a cold day, but I'm good to go out on <laughs> in the field. Right. So, and when I filled out this tender form and back then it was still a typewriter because we didn't, we weren't big on computers and, wow. uh, and he's literally like, he looks at me and goes like, how did you do that? I said, well, what you, like, what are you talking about? You have to sign it right here. That's I'm not saying you have to sign it. He's like, how'd you know how to fill all that out? I said, well, that's what we learned in school. He's like, oh my goodness. He's like, this is awesome. This is great. <laughs> like, cool. And then, uh, and then I basically just said, I, I, I'm not ready for this. I want to, I want to go out in the field. I want to learn. I want to see, I want to, you know, I want to go on the top of the highest building we got. Yeah. And back then we were doing like, you know, 10 story building downtown Toronto. We had a big job at a big mine up in Sudbury, which is about four hours north of Toronto. And, you know, so I went up there for like a year, we tore down this big building and, you know, I just, I couldn't get enough. And we, we, we were buying these uh, like eight, like build eight thousands or an 80 ton excavator. And we're putting big shears on the end of them. And it was just fun to be out in the field. Right. Compared to the office, you know, I I would agree with you. Yeah, (laughs) I get trapped in the office all the time. And I love the moment I have to bring out a permit or do an inspection and get out on the field. It's so much more, you know, just rewarding and fun. Yeah, I always was uh, really, really hands on with the equipment. So even when I was a foreman, I'd always try and jump on the equipment from time to time to keep, keep, keep helping and stuff like that. I know it's probably not the right move, but you know, when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. So absolutely. So you kind of built a reputation of advancing the science of safe demolition. So I imagine that time in the field really gave you, you know, eyesight on what could we do better, you know, so talk about what happened after those few years in the field, you know, where did your kind of role go from there? Well, the, the, the contracts were just getting very demanding on engineering our work. Yeah. So we were one of the first companies here in our in our area to hire a full-time engineer on staff. And uh, so basically, you know, we have like four or five engineers now all the time sort of engineering our work. So, you know, I always say to the guys, we don't want to change how we do it. We just want to put it on paper. 
Like there's a safe way to do it. We already know how to do it, but we got yeah. paper and then we just got to stick to the plan. We got to make a plan and we got to work to the plan. So, and you know, that's really been the, the hard part. You can't just go out there one day and say, well, I want to do it this way. And I want to do it that way. And then right. that happens. So we just got to, you know, think about it. We got to plan it and then we got to stick to the plan and it's, it's working. It's working very well. That's, that's absolutely fascinating for us. You know, we are in the demolition business as well. And, and typically the guy will kind of walk through, you know, the big house or the building and by looking at it, try to assess how we're going to take this structure down. That's absolutely incredible, you know, efficiency to add, to have an, an engineer. Are you saying you have an engineer put a plan together on how the whole building is going to come down based on the structure and how it was built before? Absolutely. Wow. That's awesome. So that's added efficiency, safety. I mean, tell me like what kind of game changer that was for your business. Cause to me, that's a very innovative new approach that I've not heard of. Yeah, no, it's like, if you're going to take down a 10 story building and you want to put a machine on the roof and start at the roof and break it down floor by floor, you want to put the biggest machine the building can hold. Yeah. And then if you want to add some shoring to that building you put a little bigger machine. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly trying to, you know, maximize the production on the size of machine versus the size of the, the floors to break down and so on and so forth. So awesome. Really great. So is that kind of what has made you, you know, nationally and globally known as a demolition contractor? What are some of the accolades that you guys have received and recognition for the work that you've done there at the company? There's a demolition summit every year and it's called the national um, uh, demolition awards. And so we've won the World Demolition Award, we've won Civil Demolition Award, we've won Environmental Demolition Award, and we've won a Special Project Demolition Award with the NDA. And uh, so lots of accolades on, on, the, on the award side, but mostly it's our safety and our yeah. reputation of years and years of, of being called on. And, and somebody calls and says, please come, we come. Yeah, I love Let's it. You know, it's so so hard to to for people to answer the phone sometimes. Right, and and you know, my father in law used to push that into us when we started the business. Is all you got to do is always answer your phone. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds like my father. You know, so, <laughs> and uh, he really struggles when I like dismiss the call because I'm already on a call or something like that. He's like, just answer the call. It's like I can't talk to. Three oh my goodness. Three. I'll call him right back. Uh, he truly thinks it's the key to success in business. And it sounds like, un unfortunately, I found someone that agrees with him. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's still saying, get off the text messaging. You know, yeah. my generation does not want to get a text message from you. <laughs> I, uh, I have my son working here in the yard and the same thing. He'll text me. I'm like, just call me, bud. Like, call me when you're yeah. done. Or call me, I'll come back or whatever you need. And uh, Absolutely. Well, that's exciting to hear that, you know, your generational business, it sounds like you've brought a new level of innovation to the company. I'm yep. sure your dad's grateful. Um, and now you have your son there as well. Yeah. I have a twin sister and she's in the business as well. So she pretty much took care of, you know, everything administrative in the company. And she just recently take a pivot because she's going to go on our real estate side. So we're, we're doing a bunch of real estate stuff where we buy and sell some, some land. So She's going to sort of head up that area to try and keep more focused on that. And awesome. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And we did over a hundred million dollars last year in, in revenue. So awesome. It's uh, 
it's a big place around here when it's when it's rock and rolling. Right. And it sounds like you've just built a lot of trust, you know, in, yeah. in the community, you know, and safety has kind of led that path. But I'm sure the work that you guys do is is outstanding. Well, and some of the jobs are just they're not they're not a one month job. You know, we yeah. have, we're flying into a mine site in northern Ontario and it's an hour and a half plane ride in from an hour and a half plane ride to the first town and then you ride into the mine site and you land on a dirt runway and we're taking down this old mine and i mean we have 20 25 guys going in every two weeks so wow patient and you know it's remote so we we took apart a cat 345 high reach machine and we put it on a hercules airplane and we flew it up there in pieces you're kidding me no and then we reassembled it and it's taken down the building up there and, <laughs> you'll yeah. have to send me some pictures of that because that's pretty yeah. amazing that yeah, was the first time we did it. so we sent three excavators and we sent some some smaller stuff up but they made like i think it was 17 or 20 loads in and then they they brought out some equipment as well so awesome. the only other way in is through an ice road but they don't build it unless they need to because they don't you know they built it every year because they need to supplies to come in for the mine but now they're closing yeah. the mine down they, don't, they only want to build the ice road uh, you know maybe next winter not this this winter coming up but the following winter, like right before. Wow. So that's pretty amazing. And I definitely want to see a picture of a 349 in an airplane. <laughs> that's amazing. So we're going to get a little more into uh, the business outlook for you guys here in a moment. But I first want to get right into probably one of the, the most popular things to talk about. This is exciting for our industry to even have a spotlight through Salvage Kings. One of the most unique things you guys are doing right now is that show on the History Channel in Canada. Um, and you just got renewed, it sounds like, for a second season. So tell us how that partnership with the History Channel came about, what it has done for your business, and how it's setting the stage for the future vision of your company. Well, we did a, we shot a pilot show, they call it. So it's like a 15-minute show. And we did it on, we were tearing down a, an old lighthouse on an island, mm -hmm. in the middle of Georgian Bay. So we had to barge equipment out and stuff. So I think that probably the uniqueness of that particular project probably caught some people's eyes. Like we're not just taking down a house or doing like a plaza right. on an asphalt parking lot. Like we're doing this job that's in the middle of the water. And so then I think the, the combination of the unique project and then the, the family dynamic, we have my nephew on it. So my sister's son, Julian, and, uh, the star of the show is a fellow by the name of Ted and myself and my father was on it the uh, season one a little bit. And so before you know, you got quite a dynamic there. Yeah. So I think that really catches people's eyes and season one was definitely a successful one. And it's, I definitely don't know how to manage a TV show. I'm learning for sure, <laughs> but every year I think we're going to get better at it. And <laughs> think that it's um, what 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 it's going to do for for us as a business will just sort of be um, we'll do more for our business but I can't I can't give you numbers I can't say yeah. that it's going to grow by x percent or x right. or whatever but it's going to do more for our business and we're currently building a new yard for our salvage operation and it'll be fully up and running on Shopify so you can go on there and add to cart whatever you want awesome so it's going to launch you know probably end of August or September, we're very close. And so we're just in the middle of renovating an old house to make it our retail store. And there's a couple of old barns up there that we have stuff in. And 
we have an open, probably a two acre open yard for, you know, steel beams and pipe and whatever, whatever we find on a job that we think we can sell, we bring it there. So is that part of kind of the, I guess, efficiency of what you do with the demolition business? So you don't just crush it and haul it straight to the landfill. You, you guys kind of, I'm assuming that started before the show. You were in the game of salvaging what you can. We had a salvage yard for 30 years. We closed it wow. up where it was and we just moved it to a new location. So we were in between for like the, the past probably eight months, but um yeah, so we're we're gonna open this one, and it's only ten minutes up the road from our from our current head office, so it's a lot closer for us to manage, and it just needed a refresh. So it's uh, and now that we got this show going, I think it's gonna draw some attention. Uh, yeah, but it's just gonna be a whole new platform there. It's not when we close our old yard. There's things there from thirty years ago. Like yeah. that's nothing moving forward. Like if we yep. don't sell it in six months, then we really got to make a decision. What are we going to do here? Right. We're not, we're not, it's not going to be a storage yard. Our old yard became like a storage yard for yep. like 65% of it. And uh, it then we got into new lumber. So we're selling new and used lumber. Yeah. And the new lumber becomes very, it can be a good business, but it becomes, you know, all of a sudden the, the market changes and, you know, our little shop can't compete with the big, you know, people. Right three lumber yards and they're buying way more product than right stuff like that so um and yeah i think for the industry it's going to be the show is going to be good for making people welcome the construction industry absolutely so, you know i, I really th- feel like there's like when i was growing up it was like oh you get dirty every day and you go to work and you work long hours and you you look like you're tired all the time and <laughs> Why would you, do that? <laughs> you know you should come work here oh yeah no i'm not coming to work there i'm taking yeah. a job here right okay no problem yeah yeah you know i definitely didn't uh i didn't aspire to be a professional student for very long i mean the three years of college was great don't get me wrong but it was, it was also a really fun time for me yeah, absolutely well and you know your friends look at you and you're in your 20s drinking black coffee in the morning and they're like yo what's up with that <laughs> <laughs> Can I please have a career in construction? <laughs> this is my father. Come around. This oh, is my father. awesome. Hi, Rick. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Your, your son has great things to say about you and the business. What do you have to say about your son and the business? I bet it seems pretty amazing, huh? Doing a hell of a job. Yes. <laughs> How, how did you, how did you wrangle him and keep him in the, in the, in the business? Cause you know, my husband and his dad, they kind of butt heads a little on the job site. He's 10 so. years old, he said he'd hire me when he took over the business. Okay. So you're hired. It's job security basically, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. So going back to the show, the partnership kind of came about the interest seems like it was through the salvaging and what you guys are, you know, innovation there that you're, you're providing. Um, and that it's done great things for your business and set a stage for the future of the salvage yard. But, you know, you can kind of see it from the workforce development side, what it's done for our industry, I believe is fantastic. It's, it's making it look fun, exciting. It's reminding people that there are a lot of family businesses in construction. So we're a family friendly industry, right? This is fun, exciting, but we're also family friendly. Um, What else do you think it's done for workforce development? Just having that show out there, anything that you've seen or heard out there? Well, I think that the amount of, the amount of learning through sort of video is going through the roof. Mm -hmm. Like 
I, I mean, when I was growing up, it was everything was, you know, you stood in the classroom, you sat in the classroom and you listened or you, or you, or you learned that way. Right. So, and now these kids are all, you know, constantly on a device, whether it's an iPad or a phone or a computer and they're YouTubing and they're, you know, social mediaing and they're, and they're, and their communication through, through like text and video is just, it's through the roof. It's, yeah. I don't even know where to start. Right. And I, and, I, and I can't say that I know for sure. It's just how I feel, but at least when they can see it on a television, you know, it's, I think they get a lot more out of it. They can understand right. what they're doing and they can see, well, maybe I'd like to do that or maybe I could do that or right. they didn't realize that about that. And I just think it's a really good thing for, you know, young people to, to see what's going on out there because I mean, you drive past a construction site your whole life. Right. I don't care who you are or where you live. Yeah. You're from. I mean, there's a construction site and it's, and it's happening behind that wall, whether right. it's directly or fast or slow, or, you know, I'm not saying they're all perfect, but you know, it's, right. it's happening. so if you can show them a little bit of what we're doing behind that wall of a construction site and make them feel comfortable to maybe learn more about it. I think it's great. That's awesome. And I never even thought about that, that driving by the job site, which we've all done our whole life is not enough workforce development. We need to really shine the spotlight on what's happening behind the safety fence. And I love that you're, that you see that. That's amazing. And I think it's funny how when I'm driving down the road, I hardly look at the road. I'm looking for construction. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> So uh, always on the hunt for a new GC to call, yeah. you know, and looking at the trailers and the machines and yeah. And I, I think it's also good for people to see that, you know, you can take something and repurpose it. Yeah. I think people are like genuinely enjoying that part of it. And, you know, my father's like, are you sure you want to do this? I don't know if you can, you know, I don't know if this is going to make sense. You know, you're going to bring everything up there by the time you spend the labor and you take it out and you haul it up there and you sit on it. And yeah. Whatever. I was like, well, no offense, dad, but if we get the opportunity to demolish a perfectly good furnace or yeah. a two-year-old air conditioner, are you telling me that we should just grab that with a machine and stick it in the scrap bin? Yeah. Well, you can't scrap that. That's a good, that's a good air conditioner. Exactly. Right. Right. Bring it to the yard. Let's get it marketed and let's yeah. get it on the open market. And let's get someone to come in and take the old air conditioner away. It's, Absolutely. You don't have to buy a new one. It's two years old. It's half the cost or whatever it is. And away yeah. you go. And I'm, I just, I just think you can't smash everything. Right. And I completely agree with you. I think sustainability is a really important conversation that our industry is having. Mm -hmm. You know, we are trying to pride ourselves on landfilling less. And I'm so grateful we're having this conversation because I had the same argument with my husband, Trevor, not argument, but just, I was kind of like, gosh, look at these cabinets, look at the stove. Like, he's like, by the time you've, you're going to fill a whole yard and it's just going to sit there. What's the sustainable? And I was like, but sustainability is so important. There's people out there who really appreciate and love salvage items. So I, I, I love seeing that you've made this happen and it might create a new conversation for me to have with Trevor. <laughs> so you're an industry leader when it comes to safe demolition. And I think safety, and this is really true, can be a hindrance to being more public about the work we do in construction. You know, we're concerned, public perception, safety is everything we've done, right? Uh, what have you done as a leader in a company to ensure that safety is always priority number one and that all employees are trained and following the processes? Well, I think if you have 
people who can follow the training and work safely, it's an immediate formula for success. Mm-hmm. You know, taking chances and cutting corners and pretending like it's not important is just it's 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 not a recipe for success. And you know, we all make mistakes. You know, we're not all perfect. Right. So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is, you know, to, to keep the training up, all of a sudden people become more fluid with it. Right. I remember when the safety harnesses first came out and everyone's like, oh my God, I can't believe they're going to make us wear this harness. This is going to be more unsafe. I'm like, are you guys crazy? What are you talking about? The safety harness is going to be awesome. You can jump off the side of this building and, you know, you're going to smash your kneecap but you're you're gonna live like you know we're gonna have to tease you about it don't like don't jump off the building like don't do it but please you know and i and i think with this you know one of the reasons in toronto the covid has not hit our job sites we don't have any covid cases in our company and i think it's because construction people can adapt okay like today we're going to social distance today we're going to wear a mask today we got to wash our hands today we got to do this yep and this is what we're doing and we're training everyone and we're talking about it. And so far, so good. Knock on wood. Awesome. But, you know, I think that the construction industry is definitely good at that. For you know, I'm sure. Not, I'm not saying we're perfect, but yep. we're good at it. We're, we're, we're learning all the time. We're adaptable hundred percent. And, um, you know, what I'm curious about is, I mean, that's an astounding statistic that during this time that you've had a healthy, you know, staff with two to 300 staff members, how have you imparted a, a, a culture of safety? How, how do you get them to value that? Because I, I've seen a lot of programs out there that are just so rule and rigid driven. And it seems to be like it's a negative thing when actually safety is a positive, exciting way to make our work better. So how, how have you done that with your, your staff members? We've had some different incentive plans with regards to safety. So here in Ontario, the way it works when you you pay into the WSIB, and then if you have a safe record, they'll give you like a return. So uh, we used to take the return and give it to the employees and then the employees got so big and then one year we didn't have any return and then all of a sudden, so we have to find other ways. But it's just, uh, it's just every day talking about it and, you know, making sure that from the top you, you lead it. So we're working safe. We have a yeah. safety department here. We have human resources department. So we're constantly trying to talk about it and bring it up to life. And awesome. You, know, you don't want to change the way you're doing the work. You just want it done safely. Absolutely. And, you know, as I, as I bring my younger generation and my nephew and now my son and hopefully my daughter and my other nephew will, will be interested one day. You want them to feel safe. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it doesn't really matter if they're my children or not, but you know what I'm saying, right? You, it, you for wanna, sure. You don't want to hire some, you know, young guy or young lady or whatever, and they don't feel safe. So, and we've always had a real different, you know, array of, of culture in our business. Like we have people from, you know, Italy and Portugal and Poland and, you know, Ireland and Ontario and U.S. Now we have an uh, operation in the U.S. We're doing some work in Virginia. So, I mean, it's just it's white, black, blue, green. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, and, and women. We have women in the field that work for us and pretty awesome. much always have. And um, lots of lots of different variety here. Yeah. And so you've wanted to just really kind of take safety and, and make it palatable for everyone, which is which is amazing. 
I think people will do more if they feel safe. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. You know, I've tried to push for that value within our company, you know, as we were in the residential space and there just didn't seem to be a lot of value. You know, I was coming up with safety plans for a job site and they're like, we're just building a house. It's fine. And OSHA doesn't watch residential. And I'm like, yeah, but I want my people to feel safe. Right. <laughs> They'll perform better. They appreciate mm. that. So I love that you've really, really planted that in your culture. Um, so one of your mantras is if a project is worth doing, it is worth doing well, which I love that. How do you deliver a consistent client experience for projects, small and large, and measure that experience? Well, we, we have a standard. Every project gets the same. Yeah. Doesn't matter big or small. So we they get a project manager, project coordinator, a superintendent, a foreman, and then our health and safety and our engineering, they all get involved as well. So basically you get the same four people for every single job. Doesn't matter if it's a job for thirty thousand dollars or thirty million dollars. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you get more. Obviously, a bigger job, we get more than just that. But right. So and it's to try and create a consistent model. So basically you call up. And hopefully within three to five days, we can get on onto your site if, if that's what it takes or, or get your price or whatever it is. And then we want to make sure that when we start the job, we're starting it with an orderly fashion. Awesome. And result. So, so, so you've yeah. kind of built a model that's consistent and your approach to every job is the same. That's, that's right. phenomenal. That's outstanding. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about business management. Um, the construction industry is built on a lot of family-run businesses like like ours, which which we talked about. What advantages have you seen working in a family business? And how has it set you apart? I think you can get great production in a family business. You know, at, at, at the end of the day, you you, you really get a, a really good team experience in a family business. So. You know, when you see that, when you see it firing on all cylinders and everything is actually falling right into place and everything's mm -hmm. just working out like really, really well, I think that you see that more in a family business. But that's only me because I'm in a family business. Yeah. It's not every single day, every hour of the day, but when right. it's happening, it's it's a it's, it's a great feeling. Right. And the name is right there. The names on the equipment, the names on the safety fence, you know, the person is out in the field on the job site giving direction. I think, I, I feel like teams are really responsive to that. They, they like that. And, you know, you just got to get the right people on the bus. And yeah, that's, that's the big key for us now is just constantly trying to keep our talent, uh, you know, high performers as much as possible because that's what they want to do. They want to come somewhere. They want to challenge and that's what they want to do. You know, yeah. they don't want to, we're not looking for someone to make coffee in the corner. Like we're good. Yeah. We have a machine for that. Yeah. <laughs> we can use the machine for our black coffee. So now was it more your dad that was ahead of time of his time when it came to sustainability or is that something that you really brought into the business? I think my dad is like, if you open up the dictionary and look for sustainability, there might be a picture of him. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, we just, he never wasted anything. I mean, it doesn't wow. matter. Like ever since I was a kid, we had an old, we had a farm and we had a big barn and we'd bring stuff back to this barn and he'd put, you know, toilets, doors, windows, whatever, an old rowboat from a restaurant, like a seafood restaurant that he took out of the ceiling and, you know, we'd have this garage sale once a year and he, and we'd sell all the stuff in this barn and then he'd slowly build up, you know, a bit of a clientele that would call from time to time or whatever. And that's how he, that, that, that money was how we went to Disney World one year. 
when wow. we were kids. Wow. So, and, uh, you know, he just, he worked six days a week, seven days a week, all the time growing up. And I think he just worked too hard to throw things away. Mm-hmm. So it just, I, I'm probably a little bit different in the sense that I'm good with saving things. I'm good with it yeah. to a certain degree, but I, I really like to weigh the numbers out and I really like to make sure that we're doing the right thing because right. I don't want to fall into a, a situation where we're just keeping it for the sake of keeping it. I want to right. keep it, turn it over or use it, you know? Right. And so especially with the labor, it, it's labor intensive to salvage, right? So really you have to really cost analysis it for sure. And, and you know, I think you have to decide if there's a market. Yeah. Like you can say those cupboards are beautiful, but if nobody's really looking for kitchen cupboards that style anymore, right? Then, Is know, there an end user? Yeah, and then if somebody comes along and says, "Oh, I, I'd like that for my garage, but I don't want to pay anything," well, then that's not really that's not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to pay you know hundred dollars for these cabinets because we took them out. Two guys took an hour. We you know we need yeah. that money, right? So absolutely. And, it's so that part of it is uh, constantly a juggle. Uh, yeah. I think as we, this, this new yard, you know, we're going to have like more of an inventory and, you know, it's going to be marketed on Shopify and we'll yeah. take a picture and then you can see it. And I think people are going to shop from their, you know, their home office or their desk right. at work. And I think people are going to shop after hours when they're, they're at home. They're like, Oh, I could use a new window for my second floor bedroom or whatever it is. And yeah. You know, I'm up at my camp this weekend and I, I, I want a new kitchen cupboard and there might be some good kitchen cupboards there. And then the other thing is, is you can send us a message and then we can keep an eye out for you. If you right. Like, well, I'm not looking today, but if in the next three weeks you find something like this, can you let me know? Awesome. So you're really bringing sustainability opportunity to the masses through digital, which is absolutely fantastic. So it sounds like you really learned a lot when it comes to sustainability and saving things, the right things from your dad. What is the most important lesson that you learned from your dad? I think that my dad, every single day wakes up in the morning and everything he touches is about money. He's just constantly like, if I'm buying this cup of coffee, I got to make sure I, I want to afford this cup of coffee. I, yes. I, he literally is like that. And I think it's just some days it's hard to wake up and not think about how much money I'm spending or how much money I'm buying or how much money I'm costing or how much money. So he's like, he's like a hyper accountant Yes. with this, with this real drive for doing heavy work. Yes. The, the harder the job that, the happier he was. So that is, I I'm sensing that, you know, at some point uh, your dad and my father-in-law need to meet because he's, he's a minute by minute checks and balances. He absolutely cannot believe, you know, he's been successful as a land developer and he cannot believe that I buy Starbucks. Ah, you gotta go to McDonald's. I just can't believe you guys spend $3 on a cup of coffee or $15 on ribs. He can't, you know, he just can't when you can go to the gas station, right? And, and get the $4 ribs. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> My dad can hardly afford to take a day off. Yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. just, he thinks that he's taking a day off. He thinks he's short himself. Like That's, he yes. There crazy. is something like, you know, it used to drive me crazy at first when I was around him. When I first met him, I was just thought, you know, he'd be like, oh, I'm just too broke for that. Or I can't afford that. And I'm like, you've been really successful. I don't understand. But I have learned so much from that mentality of saving. And 
profit and loss and what are you losing and gaining, you know, by the yeah. hour, by the minute, I think there's a very valuable lesson to learn that this, you know, it's not very popular these days. It's, it's to spend right to get the cushy instant gratification. And that generation, I just, I love that. I th I've learned a lot from it. Well, I love that we have this mutual appreciation um, for the generation that went before us. And I wanted to call them like obsessive savers. You call them American pickers. I, I like, <laughs> I like that. And I hope but your dad and my father-in-law listen to this episode and, and know that we appreciate the crazy. One funny story that really introduced me to the Sherbers is it was my birthday. And to me, I, you go to a nice dinner for your birthdays. And, and so I called him, we're going to do a birthday dinner. And he's like, Oh, let's, I know it's on Sunday. Let's do it on a Monday. Cause they have $2 hamburgers at the, I was like, what? I help your son run his business and I get a $2 hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> but the oh, onions but the onions are extra so don't order the onions i'm like i just can't <laughs> well, it, it's in their blood it's in their blood but it's they, amazing isn't it? Crazy. It, it there's a lot of but it's awesome i do too i think it's great you know to have that mentality at the core of a business right you're thinking about saving and efficiency and the best way to do things. So I, I love it. I, I've learned so much from him and it sounds like you have as well from your father and we can have a mutual appreciation, but your crew has described you. And I can tell just from this interview as a natural born leader, what's your best advice, you know, for becoming a good leader, you know, and, and leading teams and inspiring others. I think leading by good example is, is, is always something that we've done a lot around here. And I think that communication is also something that we're probably better at than, than some of the others. But I think the biggest thing is, is to be happy and confident and, and knowing that you're doing a good job every day. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with being happy. Yeah. So you've kind of valued that as, as part of how you lead by example. When I play hockey, I'm always smiling. Yeah. And they're like, you're coming into the corner and you're smiling like, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. That's just me. They're like, we're losing. <laughs> like, we need to win this hockey game. It's like, well, no, we don't actually. It's fine. There's beer in the dressing room. We're fine. Like, we're yeah, just, it's going to be fun. So that's your hour level. We'll make the best of it. I apologize if I totally made a bad play back there, but it's behind me. We're, you're we're you're still happy. And so you really brought that into the business, which is a great, great attitude to have. And I, I'm sure your staff pick up on that every day. Yeah. Most definitely. So let's talk a little bit about equipment and technology. You're managing a slightly large fleet, yeah. <laughs> putting them in planes and all. Um, what types of technology or systems have you implemented to ensure maximum uptime and profitability? Well, I think that, you know, we've done a pretty good job, but there's probably little ways to go here. We, we manage our estimates through a software called B2W, and then we bought their B2W, the, the track module, and now we have the equipment repair module. Yeah. So anytime we have any downtime, they use the software and notify the shop and then try and get it repaired. Awesome. And so, but the big thing is, is it's tracking what kind of calls, how many calls. So it's, it, it's giving us feedback without even knowing awesome. where, where our sort of, our regular day-to-day -day problems are so where we can try and keep focus on trying to fix even some of the little things. Right. Um, a lot of our fleet is designed specifically for the industry. So a lot of additional plumbing on the excavators. We have these oil quick, quick couplers on our machines. So 
when an excavator goes out to a job site, it's like instantly like we need this machine and we need three attachments. Yeah. It needs to fit that machine. Yeah. So, and uh, that was a real struggle for us for a while. And I remember we just, I said, that's it. We got to put our foot down here. We got to spend like a hundred thousand dollars and make all these attachments sort of universal by size. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a big change for us. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you got a machine that's three hours away and then the hammer's not, not going to fit that machine. So oh, man. I got to switch the hammer out. With, you know what I mean? It just, it, yeah. was, it was, it was getting like such a pain point for us. So, and now um, with this oil quick, that's really taken that to another level for us. And, you know, we do a lot of jobs on, um, on, on water. So, you don't spill any oil when you change attachments with yeah. these quick couplers and so on and so forth. So, and it makes our machine operators very happy. That's and awesome. Yeah. He, he put the hammer on and he literally hits a button and he swings over and picks up the hammer. He's, yeah. he's a happy, happy guy, not hot oil and oil gloves. And you're trying to catch oil with a pail. It's yeah. crazy. And where is the attachment I need? And it's not here. And this one doesn't fit. I mean, that that is a very big pain point uh, in in the excavation and demolition business because you're doing multi- different types of jobs on one site. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's fantastic that you invested in that. And have you seen that really maximize your uptime and profitability? Yeah. So and I mean, there's a whole other host of softwares here. I feel like some days you're like, where where do I find that? What what software are we right. using? For <laughs> Can someone make one? <laughs> like I thought we were in the demolition business, not the software business. But yeah. I feel like it's 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 safe to use the software. Human resource uses software. Engineering uses about ten different softwares. Right. Uses three softwares, and it just goes on and on. Our accounting uses a different software, so it just keeps going on and on. Yeah. I think that, you know, with, with, again, with this recent shift in work from home and all this, you know, mm-hmm. COVID, we literally like, okay, like, I guess we just, I guess we're, I guess we're all going home. Like, yeah. I guess we're going to go work from home and everyone's staying <laughs> home for a couple of weeks. I guess that's what we're doing now. So, and we literally packed up here in like a day. Yeah. Everyone was set up and ready to go and set up and ready to go. And, you know, it's still all happening. So I think that that was a real great thing for us to have in place when that happened yeah moving forward it's like we have so much work that's you know even a job in downtown Toronto the traffic alone can take you an hour to get there yep if you can do it remotely let's do it why 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 are we spending an hour in traffic like yeah you know and it's it's been really good for us I think so Hopefully there's some good. I think on the estimating side, I I feel like the social distance and working from home has been a benefit. You're, you're going and looking at job sites on Google map. You're, you know, maybe doing a video conversation and and you're saving so much time. You just don't realize how much you spend driving around in this business. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with you, but I do say there's nothing better than walking the job. I agree. I you're agree. Walking that job, you're like, I don't know what you're picking up, but you're yeah. there going crazy, right? They're like, oh my god, look what's going on here. Oh. For sure. So you know, you know, pivoting into that conversation, 2020 has just been an interesting year for all of us. What are the biggest challenges that you're facing right now? Well, I think, you know, most of the time you can have somewhat of a prediction or somewhat of a you know, intuition on what the future brings. Mm-hmm. I would say I've given up on that in 2020. And I think I'm struggling <laughs> with that, to be honest with you. I, I feel like Same. I'm like, we're just 
here along for the ride. Like, honestly, I just, I can't, I can't even begin to say what's going to happen next. And all I can do is be in control of who I am and be here in the present. So I think that's the biggest thing for us. Um, we've been very fortunate to not have, you know, a lot of health issues, which is great. And, you know, everyone's safe and healthy. And, you know, I think for the most part, everyone's still getting through with some level of happy, you know, yeah. like, you know, so far so good that way. So I'm looking forward to it, you know, opening up and, and getting more back yeah. to normal as soon as possible. But, you know, like I live outside the city, I, I live on, you know, in, in the country. So we have dirt bikes and stuff like that. We've been really, really fortunate to have space to be able to do stuff like that and, you know, have a couple of families over that we've been close with. But, you know, uh, I think one of the biggest challenges is, is going back. Yeah. What, what, what's, what's it going to look like? And the, the lack of predictability, you're absolutely right. It's like, we've been used to prediction for years now. Even if there's like a recession, it's like, oh my God, the stock market crashed or oh my God, you're like, well, I predict it's going to come back. Yeah. You know I, mean? I, I yeah. predict it's going to be six months. I predict it's going to be a year or whatever. Right. With this, it's like, you know, at first I was like, geez, I don't know. Like, is this six or eight weeks of a, like a, a bump in the road or is right. it like a B or is it going to be like a U or like, <laughs> what, like all, all these, you know, and I, I'm in a peer group. So I try and listen to my peers and, and, and try and hear what's going on out there. And it's, you know, right now I think everyone's just like, no, no idea what's next. And, right. That, so. that is, cha- I'm, I'm so grateful that you're being open and honest about the challenges of this. I think, I think people struggle to really talk about the challenges right now. And you're right there the sleepless nights are starting to creep in for us. Cause it's like, okay, it's still here. It didn't go away. What's well, next. It, What's the pipeline look like? What's getting paused? Where's mm-hmm. funding going? <laughs> and, 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 you know, they're not talking about any of the good news. Right. Every day. It's just like, how many cases, how many deaths, how many, how many recover? Like just say it's going good. Like just say it's getting better. Just say something. Something. Good, right? <laughs> And they're just not saying it. And, you know, it's uh, so everyone's coming in with their own analysis on what's actually happening. And everyone, yeah. you can find any, any piece of media you want to find for whatever direction you want to believe. Absolutely. And, you know, so I just, I've tried to stay away as much as I can and just keep talking to people and see what's going on out there. Yeah. But, you know, I think that the other thing too, is everyone's sort of like, like judging each other. Yeah. Like if I want to have someone over or you don't want to come over, I don't think, I think it's all good. Just yeah. Don't judge, you know? Yeah. Don't, don't be peeking in over my fence saying, what are you doing on your side of the fence? Well, that's, yeah. You know, and um, if no one's sick, that's great, you know? So, but they're not uh, saying that. So it's, it's just really hard. It's a hard time. I think you're right. That culture of judgment is definitely creeping up and kind of becoming a societal norm to point fingers, to judge. And it's like, let's all stay in our own lane. Let's manage this the best we know how for ourselves, for our teams. You know, I think leaders are getting a lot of a judgment and eyes on them right now on how they're, what, what are they doing? And my response to that is we're working with our team. We're letting our team guide us. So unless you're on the team, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we, we put everything in play. Uh, you know, all you we, can do. Yeah. We, we set up a, a a task force, if you will, right from the get-go. And, you know, we've been communicating to the whole entire company since day one on it. And, you know, but I'm not the police. Yeah. You know, I'm, 
what you do outside of work is up to you and what you do right. on the weekends is up to you and what, right. you know. Uh, well, I, I did a post on Instagram a few days ago about just how comparison can really diminish self-worth and, and affect your mental health. And it's like, let's stop comparing. We're an industry built on building. Let's build each other up. Let's support each other. Let's empower each other. That's the best we can do right now, right? To make yeah. it. And uh, let's just kind of <laughs> keep going day by day. I yeah. Know, this summer has flown by again. Absolutely. I always say that in the middle of summer, like right yeah. now here, it's middle of summer. It's just flown by again, right? So, and, you know, we've been very, very fortunate to have good weather and, and, and everyone's safe. So it's good. I like your principle of happy. And I think that's one of my biggest takeaways that I'll talk about in a minute here, but just keeping the principle of happy, you know, we're moving, we're doing something. Machines are busy. You know, one might be sitting, the other four are going, four are going. It's hallelujah. It's, yeah. Well, exactly. Right. It's, it's a snowstorm, but we're, 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 we're going to stay home today. Let's be happy. Got a nice, <laughs> I got a nice coat on. So whatever. So no, with all this happening though, I, I still think there's, there's conversations about growth opportunities within our industry. What do you see as the biggest growth opportunity um, for the construction industry in the coming years? Well, the, the, the projects are definitely getting larger. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I, I say that about our specific industry, the right. industry. So, you know, I think a lot of big plants were built, you know, uh, you know, 50 or hundred years ago. And I think a lot of those big plants need a makeover or an upgrade or what have you. So there's just, there's just a lot of, of, of that industrial work. I think there's a lot of uh, civil work, you know, bridges and tunnels and dams and, you know, stuff like that it's just it's everything is just somewhat getting old yeah then you know same thing it's like we're building these houses and they're, they're downtown toronto and they're you know they're this far away from the house beside it it's like it's got to be taken down by hand like I mean, yeah you do some with the machine but you got to do it by hand like you yeah can't, there's a house beside you and so it's just it's getting more and more challenging and 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 it's just getting bigger and bigger. So yeah, infrastructure is definitely growing. That that line of work is growing and and that's a great positive thing for us to look at is hey, there there's a lot of big projects coming into the pipeline that weren't always there, which is exciting, you know, for our industry. I love that. So we had some listeners pipe in and put in a few questions that they wanted specifically to ask you. The first one is what motivated you to expand into the United States? versus Eastern or Western Canada? Well, it's closer for one, <laughs> you know, from our office to the Buffalo to downtown Buffalo is only like two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. From our office to downtown Detroit is about four hours. Wow. So, um, proximity, know, to, proximity was, yeah. was one to go to Western Canada is like a four hour flight. Ah, right. So it's, it's like going to California for you. So you don't want to you don't want to put your whole fleet in in an airplane? No, no, no. <laughs> so that was one thing, but mostly it was just the, um, the 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 project that we're working on there was something that we felt very comfortable with. You know, it's it wasn't a demolition of a building or anything like that. It was a it's a civil project. It's on a highway. We're doing multiple bridge structures, and I think they were looking for some solutions. And you know, the people asking the questions were were someone that we've worked with before. So I yeah. Think we comfort level they had a comfort level and i think it's awesome yeah that's awesome i think that's fantastic and and has to be exciting for your team in, in the times that we're in to see some growth and expansion into a new market i, I think that's fantastic 
So most of our guys, well, the, the team in the U.S. is 100% from the U.S. Awesome. There's no Canadians there working yeah. on that job site. So, you know, we can get a visa for a couple of people, but really it's 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 going to be Americans that we hire. Great. It'll do it. And it's, it's all good. That's awesome. Yeah. We've, we've had some luck finding some good people down there and we've been there just over a year now and yeah, it's going great. Congrats. I think that's, that's great to grow into a new market like that. And, and you're, you're building the local economy with your business and then you're also building, you know, the economy in the United States, which I, which I think is awesome. So congrats on that. Now here's a funny question. Is there a salvage item you've always wanted to find? but haven't yet or what is your salvage unicorn <laughs> i'm always looking for a gold bullion but i haven't found one yet <laughs> i you know some guys always talk about money which is funny but i mean there's a couple old wise tales around here from years and years and years ago and i'm pretty sure if somebody found ten thousand dollars behind a drywall wall somewhere in an old house they probably wouldn't turn it in anyway yeah i'm pretty sure i'd hear about it one time like yeah you know, it'd probably be long gone not re- re- recapture the money but right. it'd be like they would have had a great time with it one way or the other but honestly it's 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 it could be anything and everything i mean i think the biggest thing is just sometimes it's old stuff yeah you know like you just find something they don't make anymore or it's old and you just yeah it wouldn't be broken you're like well, i got kind of, I gotta have that. I, gotta I need that. Couple. I gotta keep yeah. that. <laughs> I'd love to see your garage someday. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we just, we just uh, found an old motorbike in, in, a, in a building we we're tearing down in the parking garage in the basement of this high rise that we're doing. And I'm thinking like, who leaves you an old motorbike? But like, again, same thing. Like you, you just right. never know. Right. So. Absolutely. Well, the, we're going to end the episode with just a little rapid fire round, but you know, first I want to just recap some of my favorite moments from this conversation. Some of the lessons I learned from you for our listeners. One, I just loved how you said, you know, for workforce development, we need to show what's behind the fence. We need to put a spotlight on what's happening behind the safety fence. And, and I just loved that, that safety is a leading formula for success and incentivize your people to have a safe culture. And that, that to you is the formula for success, but to also lead by example and lead with happiness. I loved learning that from you. It's like, oh yes, lead by example. We know that, right? That, that's what we do as leaders, but lead with happiness in what we're doing no matter what every day uh, was a great principle. Um, I love that your team treats all projects the same, that your approach is you have a consistent method, with, whether it's small, whether it's large, um, I, I really learned a lot from that today. And then invest in pivots that alleviate pain points in your business. I think that's fantastic how you guys, you know, just said, okay, we're spending that hundred grand. <laughs> we're getting these, these attachments and we're doing this the right way. Um, and that really worked out for you. I, I think as small business owners, sometimes we wait and we wait and we wait, we, we let the pain points remain. I mean, you and just said, nope, we're investing and it worked. So those are some of my, um, favorite principles that I learned from you today. I really, this conversation was fantastic and I really appreciate your time, but I'm not letting you go without a rapid fire round. Okay. <laughs> so what was your first job? Sweep the floor. <laughs> Love it. What was your first car? Uh, Chevy Wrangler, three quarter ton. Did your dad find it in a barn is the question. No, he bought it from his brother actually. <laughs> If you weren't doing this, which I'm sure is hard to imagine for you, what would you be doing? Uh, 
I don't know, like, part of me thinks I might have joined the armed forces or maybe become a policeman, but maybe a fireman, something yeah. along those lines, maybe. They yeah. also, I like all those jobs. Awesome. What song gets you pumped in the morning? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I don't know, probably Satisfaction from the Rolling Stones. I like it. Who is one person you wish you could have dinner with? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the White House. Maybe maybe go to the White House for dinner. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome as well. Yeah. What What is your favorite piece of equipment and why? Probably our Cabelco SK-1000 with a three-piece boom on it. The versatility is just awesome. The power is awesome. And you pretty much feel like there's nothing can stop you. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little scary, huh? <laughs> on the wrong day. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. That's awesome. And now what was your favorite part of Connect So Connect 2020? Such a great show. They did a really good job this year. What did yeah. you love about it most? I think it's, I've been going for such a long time that I'm probably a little bit jaded because I, I just love walking the out lots with all the big cranes and all the big machines high up in the air. I just, that's probably the part I like the most is just walking around all that new equipment. I like inside too, but I mean, outside is great. And this year I was fortunate enough to, to do an interview with Con Expo and awesome. uh, from Pushy Six. So that was a highlight from this year. I probably won't get to do it again. So Scott, Scott's a great guy. Yeah. He? He's just a great guy. He, so, I love what he does for our industry. So you Scott, liked the outlots, the cr- big uh, cranes. I, I, all, all of it. It's just, it, I just, it, it blows me away. Every Isn't year, it? it? It's amazing. Blows- it's crazy to stand there and look up and you could just look up for hours. <laughs> and, you, and you think you think you walked around the booth and then you look over there and there's like, Oh my God, something I else. See, I didn't see this. Right. So um, yeah, no, it just, it doesn't get old. And I mean, everyone's doing such a good job with their equipment these days. It really doesn't matter what brand it's, it, everyone's trying so hard to, to compete and fight for market share. It's they just, everyone's putting out, Phenomenal products. Great products. Yeah. So, well, I hope to meet you at ConExpo 2023. Yeah. Sorry that I missed you at 2020, but thank you for today. I learned so much. I know our listeners will really appreciate this interview and uh, your approach and just your leadership of the industry. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Lisa. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. And that's going to wrap up this edition of ConExpo ConAg Radio. If you like the show and think other people should listen too, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back next time with another great guest. Until that time, be sure to visit conexpoconag.com forward slash connect for even more ways to connect with the industry.